My name is Vanessa Perica. I'm a composer, arranger and conductor. Barca Napoli uh, is a tribute to the historic street in Napoli, Italy. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site and I, oh, I can't remember the exact length of it. It's quite long but it's really narrow and uh, it's just full of life and my husband and I were there on as part of our honeymoon and uh, I was just really awestruck by the the beauty of the area and, and the vibe and it's an emotional tribute to that. I also try and capture the grand beauty of uh, Mount Vesuvius, you know, in the background there too. So I don't know, I was just very inspired by this city. There's something about it um, that really it's still with me. You know, I, I visited in 2017 and I just am aching to get back there. So it's, you know, the most extraordinary food and culture and, you know, and, and it's got that gr underlying grit about it as well, which I thought was quite fascinating. And then you're constantly just sort of trying to dodge vespers, you know, darting around the corners. Yeah, I had a magical time there. So I tried to capture that in this piece. With that piece and how you say try to capture that, how do you first start thinking about it like what's the process of capturing it well a bit a bit of bit of a driving force behind that tune is a, a riff that's the Ocarbo's part in the guitar it's sort of a rhythmic sort of thing and that to me was sort of sitting on the vespa like um so that pulsating rhythm uh, you know trying to evoke all the different sort of smells and and sights and, and and feelings so I was just you know in different instruments I sort of tried to to capture that but I, I mean it's a very hard thing to sort of tangibly say oh that's that's that there and there's also a bit of a tarantella traditional italian uh melody in there i'm not now remembering in the horn parts so that's sort of a, a bit of a reflection of the culture there too but you know i've tried to make it quite contemporary as well at the same time so yeah it's just um it's a hard thing to say exactly how i have but i just i, I remember at one point it was it's it might sound a bit weird but i actually halfway through the piece i opened up a a uh, YouTube of someone riding on their scooter through the, the historic area and I just I played back my sort of software where at what point it was to see if it was reflecting and I was like oh yeah cool it's still the vibe so yeah it's just um I always like to uh tell a story when I'm, I'm writing music I I think it brings out the best in me and I, I like to form an emotional connection with with the piece so yeah it's it's nice to have something to to be inspired by so Exactly. Yeah. And what a beautiful inspiration. How did you start playing jazz? It came a bit late for me, jazz, actually. I uh, started actually with classical piano and oral training through Yamaha at an early age. And then I started the trumpet as well, about 11 years old. And so I did the stage band thing in, in high school, but not really much jazz. And then I studied uh, the jazz course at the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts. And I entered as a trumpet performance major. And so that got me well and truly in love with the genre. I was surrounded by extraordinary musicians. And then later on in my uh, degree, I was offered the opportunity to either continue with performance to finish my major or to go into composition and arranging. And I'd had a bit of a taste of composing before that and I really loved it. So I thought, let's go for it. So that's how I've become a composer arranger. And um, But at the same time, because I was a trumpet player, I really enjoyed playing in big bands. So that's where my love affair for writing for big band and larger ensemble has come from. That is so interesting. What was that transition like going from playing to conducting and arranging? 
It's a more natural progression than you think. I was able to take some units in conducting, but that was more classically driven. When you conduct a big band, you don't have to conduct all the time. It's not like classical music. You can kind of leave it up to your engine room of your rhythm section to dictate the, the time. But there are times when you need to intervene. When we play jazz, a lot of the time we improvise solos. So when you compose, it's almost like a slowed down version of improvisation. You know, you get to slow it down and write your best ever solo <laughs> in your own time. That's, I think that's an easiest way to sort of describe it to people. What makes the Australian jazz scene unique? I think we have some extraordinary musicians here. It's, it's, it's an incredible scene. I've, I was originally from Perth, so I've moved to Melbourne six years ago and I can even, t- I feel like from city to city, there's a different vibe. I can't quite put my finger on it. I think it, it's really amazing uh, and it's a really tight-knit community. So it's, it's a lot of beautiful friendships that come to the fore and there is a difference, but at the same time, the calibre is still incredibly high. But having said that, you know, after I visited New York, thankfully for the first time in 2019, I mean, it's just such a, it's a much larger scene. So it's really hard to compare, you know, when you've got that many performance opportunities, like you can go on any night of the week and see you know, multiple extraordinary uh, groups play where you can't quite get that here in Australia. We're, we're lagging behind on that front. But, like, the level is, 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 is on par well and truly. You're so lucky you were able to go to New York in 2019. Just made it. <laughs> Just in the nick of time, I know. I, uh, it was such an incredible experience. What advice would you give for people just starting out in their career, either playing or wanting to move to conducting? As far as being a jazz conductor, I don't think there's a huge amount of work just to be a solely, you know, jazz conductor. I think that's a that comes as a necessary thing to to be able to do a skill set that comes with being a composer and arranger. So you need to be able to conduct your music. But I, I think it is to trust your instincts and back yourself. I've taken a pretty unusual tra- trajectory to get uh, where I am here now today. When I first left university, um, I was actually quite lost. I didn't know how to make a living from being a large ensemble conductor. It's just I wanted to pay my musicians properly and I was really overwhelmed by it. Not now until more recently when I moved to Melbourne that I've really fully committed to being a full-time composer, arranger, conductor. But funnily enough, once I've made that decision, the work has been flying in. So it's, 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 it's making that firm commitment. You need to be truly dedicated and love the art form. It's certainly not for the money. But at the same time, it's, it's, it can be one of the most rewarding and incredible things to, sit, to stand in front of your band of amazing musicians and have your compositions that you've poured hours and months of work into to have that play back at you and you wave your arms and they respond to you. It's just, it's, it's, it's very exhilarating, but yeah, it can, it can be an extraordinary profession, which I'm really starting to, to enjoy. So I highly recommend it if you love the art form, it's, it's pretty great. So, but yeah, check it, you know, we're always a student. I think that's the main thing. We'll be students right up to until the, the very end. You have to just keep checking things out, listening intently to other, other music, you know, and learning from others because we've always got something more to learn. So I'm, I'm forever trying to better myself. And, you know, every time I write a new piece, I want it to be the best thing I've ever written. So that's, that's what I'm striving for. Yeah. I love that sentiment, the kind of like the lifelong student of it. 100%. Like, you're just having graduated from university and been like, I've learned everything. 
time I think there's that vibe you think oh okay now I've got my piece of paper I'm ready to go and it couldn't be further from the truth yeah you've got a great skill set and you can probably successfully gig but in terms of carving out a full-time professional career I mean it's it's there's still a lot of work to be done and yeah I think that's why I've I sort of struggled for a bit when I first left but I'm happy to report things are going better now (laughs) absolutely winning the art music awards (laughs) that was nice yeah pretty pleased about that as you mentioned the Australian scene is quite small would you say it's like a welcoming scene and how might a student go about finding connections within the industry yeah, it's, I've, I've found it to be a hugely supportive industry. One thing that's changed since I was at university is the dawn of social media. So it, it's a lot easier to stay in touch with fellow musicians here now, as well as, uh, I mean, I've just started chats with people overseas who I've never met who were in the industry. And that's really nice uh, to have that college, sense of collegiality. But at the same time, you know, social media can be a bit, little bit evil and distracting. So I don't want to push on that too much. The networking is a massive part of it. So I would say go to as many gigs as possible and meet, try and meet um, the people you admire and say hello. Um, I think that's a really big part of it. Steady by steady because, you know, if, if something comes up and they go, oh, I need a sax player, so my usual person's not available. Oh, and then, you know, maybe you met someone who's at the forefront of your mind. Maybe I'll give so-and-so a call, you know, and and that's how it works. It's, it's just, you know, you, you, you get one call and if you do well, you're on the, you know, you're on the, on the roster. So it doesn't take that long, but, you know, and also just I think humility is a big thing as well, you know, go in with a kind heart and be supportive of your fellow peers because it can be a struggle sometimes and I think being encouraging of one another is a really, really important thing to do. Yeah, no, I love that sentiment. Just kind of put yourself out there and like opportunities bring opportunities. Absolutely. And and don't, and don't worry if you get no's sometimes we all will, we'll all get a no sometimes. And and that can be really crushing, but please just, just try again, because it's often, it's, it's interesting. Now I look back on some of those no's and I go, Oh, actually, I'm kind of glad I got a no there because it made me available for the next yes. Like the next commission that's come up that I can work on. So it's funny how life works its way out, you know, and, um, but you just got to stay in the game and, and stay, remain positive and, um, yeah, don't take it too much to heart. It's incredibly, as much as it's kind it's comparatively small community here, it's actually, there are still many, many amazing music makers. So when you apply for a grant or anything like that, the competition on that is, is really high. I, I believe like usually for an Australia council grant grant. And I think this is pre pandemic, the success rate is like 10% or something like that. Don't quote me, but it's, it's very low. So for me, I was really lucky to record my debut album with an Australia council grant. And I was not successful on the first attempt. Luckily with some tweaks and some feedback from Australia council, I was able to amend my grant and resubmit and got, uh, got the funding. So that was a really, really big turning point for me because it meant I could form the band of my dreams with Australia's, some of Australia's finest musicians and uh, record this album that has created a lot of work for me. So yeah, you just got to stay in it and and have a crack and see what happens. How was it creating the album? And as you said, collecting like Australia's best musicians together, what was that process like? Because I have, uh, I did graduate about 20 or so years ago, I formed some pretty close friendships with some extraordinary musicians who I graduated with back at my time at Whopper, who happened to now live in Melbourne. So I um, 
enlisted them, <laughs> of course. I also approached some of my favourite musicians here in Melbourne, such as Andrea Keller, Julian Wilson, Paul Williamson, uh, Ross Irwin. It was just, it was a great process actually because because I had that funding, I felt comfortable approaching people knowing I could pay them properly. And I also scheduled the recording session in January, which I think is a really good time to do it because people aren't teaching so much then. So it, it all worked out really well, but it was nice because there were a lot of old friendships in that room. So it was a, a really lovely atmosphere in the room. So I, I felt incredibly lucky. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It sounds so nice. I love January as well as a mom. It's just so like relaxed. I feel like you're in that holiday period. It's like, oh, we don't really have to start properly yet. You know, there's a, <laughs> exactly. you kind of relax in until Feb, right? Yeah. It sounds like the perfect month to create jazz, especially one about Southern Italy. <laughs> it sounds perfect. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the climate was perfect. Having said that, we had two days in the studio. The first day was 38 degrees and the second day was 45 degrees. And there were rolling blackouts in the neighborhood to the point where I could hear in the headphones that there were glitches, like it kept clicking. Like, and I was like, what is that? And, and it was revealed to me after the session that the takes were dropping out. But thankfully, uh, Grant Windsor, who produced the album, had the great sense to uh, install a backup hard drive. So we didn't lose any takes. But uh, it was, and it was hard because I was, I think it was a minimum of 33 degrees at night. So I was just lying in bed trying to sleep, going, oh my God, this is horrendous. <laughs> but we got there. We got there. You know, sometimes pain makes great art. I was, like, was going to say, oh my God. <laughs> I can't. Of course, <laughs> it's such a, oh my goodness. What? So was that in the studio? Were you in the studio and that was like, was the the, we, we had air, we had air con in okay. the studio, I have to say, but you know, that does affect the ability of the air con to work. Um, and then that also affects um, instruments staying warm because you kind of have to crank it, the air con for a bit, then take it down because you don't want the instruments, brass instruments and saxophones to get cold. It can affect tuning. Like it, it, it does alter things. No one complained. Everyone was the complete you know, we're amazing about it, but I, I do remember that quite vividly. You don't forget a 45 degree day like that. It's, uh, <laughs> thankfully, the musical uh, was intact. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about the instruments. I was like, do the instruments get affected by heat? Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, lucky you can just sort of go from your car straight into the studio, but like if you ever have an outdoor gig and if you're getting towards 40 degrees, I mean, it's not good for you, your horns. They can get warped by the sun like I said, affects your tuning and it's just not pleasant to, you know, be blowing large amounts of air into a horn in that kind of heat. But yeah, so lucky we're, we're inside, but yeah. And finally, where can we find your work and follow you? Uh, so I have a website, vanessaperica.com, V-A-N-E-S-S-A-P-E-R-I-C-A.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Twitter. You can find me there. I've also got a Bandcamp page, which I have my album on uh, if you'd like to check it out. And I'm also on uh, streaming platforms as well. Yeah, so I I'm around. <laughs> you can find me if you, if you just do a quick Google it. Awesome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be an arts and in today. Such a pleasure. And I hope you get to, even though it's locked down, I hope you get to celebrate a little bit. I think we will. It'll be, we'll, we'll manage to get something in there. Um, yeah you got to enjoy these moments. You have to. You have to <laughs> celebrate yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for listening. A new episode is released whenever we have an interview. So make sure to subscribe and why not leave us a review as well? You can say hello to us on Instagram 
at Artsman and Sin. 